0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row
1: production. Welcome to today's episode of The Bright Side. My guest today is fashion designer Chris Brock. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I wanted to have you here today because... I always like to have guests on the show who I think make sense with the theme of the show, which is optimism and positivity. And I feel like you are definitely one of those people who always has a really positive outlook on the way things are going to go. And you're really good at seeing difficult situations and having a lot of patience and I think in compassion and empathy for other people. So I thought it'd be great to have you here, not only for my listeners to learn more about you because you have such an interesting story, but also because I just think you have a lot to share that people could gain from hearing. So to start with, I'd like to talk about how you got to where you are today, because you're a very successful designer. You're from Corpus Christi, Texas, relatively small town. It's kind of random to go from a town like Corpus Christi and end up within a few short years at the Met Gala with people wearing your clothing. So can you just tell us a little bit about how that happened
0: first of all, thank you for having me um and what an introduction thank you yeah I, I grew up in a small town, Corpus Christi, Texas. at a very young age, I started sewing uh, with my my grandparents and my mother, and uh that kind of quickly turned into focusing on building things my 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 father works in construction, and so I've always really enjoyed the process of building something um whether that's a swimming pool, a skateboard ramp, a garment, a business, what whatever that is. I, I, I find it so fascinating to go from A to B. And
1: what was the first thing you ever sewed?
0: Power Ranger costume.
1: <laughs> for Halloween?
0: For Halloween. I think I was like seven or eight years old and I made the black Power Ranger costume with my mother.
1: What did you use for materials? Black
0: felt. <laughs> it's like the worst fabric to work with, but... <laughs> I wore it and I was super proud and it was, it was great.
1: So was that something that you just wanted to do or could you not find the costume? Like I just am so interested. No, that
0: was like the first, first pit. Really? Black Car Ranger? You me? No, I
1: know. But I'm just saying like for a guy <laughs> to sew a costume, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a unique thing in itself. And so um, were you just, you just wanted to make something yourself?
0: Uh, I, you know, I don't really know how that conversation started or how we got to the fabric store, um, which I think <laughs> was like a Hobby Lobby or something. <sighs> so I don't know how it started. I just remember
1: that's what you made.
0: That I made the black powder. I love Ranger that. Costume. I want to find
1: a picture of that. I'm going to see it at some point. I don't know. And from there, you went on to own a surf and skate shop, right?
0: Uh, yeah. So out of high school, I opened a surf and skate shop, which uh, kind of focused on apparel along with skateboards and surfboards. And uh, like maybe three or four years into it, we'd we'd grown the apparel clothing section. And I started kind of taking dresses in the back and cutting them apart and sewing them back together and doing alterations. And that's kind of ultimately what led me to the idea of maybe going back to school. This was from like 18 to 21 or 22 or so. And then...
1: I want to... Sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to pause there for a second because... I know we've talked about the fact that you weren't really a traditional student in school and you sort of were into more. I mean, I I think that it's important for people to hear, to see somebody who's had such success, who wasn't necessarily a traditional student, because I think that that's the case for a lot of people. And like, they don't necessarily know like what direction they want to go in, in their lives. And if they're not, maybe they can be discouraged if they're not super into traditional academics.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't great in the in the traditional academics section. But my I I, I thank my parents a lot for really kind of encouraging me to do what whatever it was that I wanted. And th- they really encouraged me to kind of move to New York and and pursue like a dream of you know, my favorite show at the time was Sex in the City. So
1: that I love too. It so it was much. like
0: pursuing my dream of like. Being the sex in the city. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is the sex in the city guy? I don't
0: know. I just, can I cuss?
1: <laughs> I also think that it's really cute that you say cuss because it's, that's a very Texan. I know we've had this debate also, but I think it's a very Texan thing to say cuss instead of swear.
0: Yeah. You've said that, but I yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So just to backpedal, because I, I know like we're, I asked you this question and you're telling the story, but there were so there were a lot of steps along the way like you you rode bmx right and you were into skating like you're just you're one of the most versatile people that i've ever met and i feel like there were so many different routes you could take so i just want to kind of cover all of that
0: okay yeah well i I mean i think with a non-traditional type education uh surfing skating riding bikes motocross is an outlet to express yourself creatively and so i mean yes they're very different in the, in the, in the scheme of things. But for me mentally, I feel like they're very similar because you're constantly just finding outlets to express yourself creatively, whether that's on a surfboard or a skateboard or, uh, sketching or draping or whatever.
1: Were you always good at sketching? No. Really?
0: I mean, not that I think I'm good at sketching now, uh, but I've definitely gotten better. <laughs> yeah. We had to take a lot of classes in school. I, I studied at Parsons in like 2011. And we had to take color theory classes, sketching classes. Um, I did the associates program. So so for two years, we're we're just sitting there drawing.
1: Okay. Because I've always wondered about that. I feel like... And I personally can't sketch anything like i'm the least artistic person i think ever but i've wondered that before like what do you do if you're really if you have a good like maybe you have a good sense of fashion but you are just completely useless at drawing and then you're supposed to come up with sketches
0: well i feel like most of the time that's that's the case Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) not most of the time but i know a lot of insanely talented designers can't draw at all Mm. and uh, i I don't know i mean i could go in so many different ways about that but the the way that i like to attack uh or, or approach design is really from a construction standpoint i guess there's a few things to talk about there so one to back up for from like a creative standpoint i i pretty much went through every phase as a child through fashion, um, like the punk rock scene, the Vato scene, I mean,
1: like, <laughs> the scene? I participated I scene. in
0: every hallway in school uh, at, at least one day a week uh, <laughs> with different crowds. Um, what was
1: the story about, sorry, I am I keep interrupting you, but what was the story about from your sewing class about the teacher that thought you cheated uh, or something?
0: My first semester in school, uh, I wasn't a great student. I, I listened, but I, maybe I didn't look like I was listening. We, we We had a we had a project so in pa- in our pattern making class the the teacher professor would would in, would would give you an example of how to do something, and then your task for that night or your homework that night was to go home and do that bring it back the next day as drafting a sloper cutting a pattern sewing it together and I grew up sewing, and most people at school couldn't sew, which kind of kind of I was very surprised by because um, I was very nervous to go there thinking I was under experienced and so I did this uh, whatever you want to call it, homework assignment this night and went back the next day. And it was this Russian teacher that was very mean and yelled at everyone. And hmm. She thought I stole her uh, her whatever you want to call it, prototype that, that she had made the day before. and
1: Because you did such a good job.
0: Well, I don't know if I did a good job, but <laughs> hers was missing and mine was done. So
1: <laughs> Hers is missing?
0: Hers was missing, but I did not take it.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. Was that at Parsons?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I always thought for some reason that was in high school. I don't know why I thought that, but okay. So then you ended up at Parsons.
0: Went to Parsons.
1: We're there for, um, there for a few years.
0: There for a few years. While I was studying, I worked for a still photo producer, which really opened my eyes up to like what the what the broader scheme of the industry looked like. And uh, okay, so I got a story here. I was living somewhere like on a couch in Bushwick, Brooklyn, at the time, and. My friend, Jad, he was working for this producer and I was I was nagging him, trying to get him to bring me on a job with him just because I wasn't working. And one day he came home and he was like, you're coming to work with me tomorrow. And I was like, amazing. Didn't have a driver's license, but my task was to go pick up a car from the rental car and go and pick up the photo team and drive them to set in Red Hook. So I go get the rental car. My friend goes in and gets it for me because I didn't have a license. Uh, and i'm pulling up i think at the bowery hotel and i'm like i'm thinking to myself i'm like this is it it's my job i'm doing it i pull in i feel a little bump park and then i see this <sighs> cop running up next to me and he's like yelling at me to get out of the car and i guess while i turned in i sideswiped his car and he had i mean his car was pretty banged up <laughs> and i was
1: like up from this you. this is
0: my first day i literally just thought to myself how excited <laughs> i was and now i've already fucked this up and i get out i'm like the the, the photo team was french they're they're coming out and they're like trying to get the car the cops yelling at everyone and and somehow 15 minutes later I, I was able to talk my way out of it we went to set everything was fine but so back to back to working for <laughs> his, his name was larry mccrud and i worked ended up working for him throughout school and Kind of bounced around that still photo set of working as a PA, uh, like twenty-hour days, which was like some of the longest days, weeks of my life. Still, that' why
1: you were. This was while you were still in school.
0: Yeah, this is in like 2011. Okay. From there, I bounced around to kind of photo assisting, assisting some set designers, uh, and then from there, right as I finished school. Uh, the manager at the at the custom family, which is the, the production company, introduced me to or gave me a contact to Large Nord, which is a tailoring agency. Yeah. So I'm getting off topic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go back to no, it. No, it's OK.
1: <laughs> I think this is interesting because I think it's really I think these are the stories that nobody really ever gets to hear. Like you just see somebody who looks like they've they're so successful and it feels like they just went that it just happened, you know. And so I think it's important for people to hear like these little details and the things that went wrong along the way that led to something bigger.
0: All right. So So keep going. All right. Uh, (laughs) All right. So I I just finished school. It's like, I'm not working and and I'm sitting on the corner in Chelsea with a friend drinking margaritas for lunch because that seemed like the thing to do that day. And (laughs) and I, I got an email from this agency back being like, hey, can you come to set in 30 minutes and come help us? I'm like, Amazing, but I didn't have a sewing machine. I didn't have needles and thread. I didn't have <laughs> chalk. I didn't know how to tailor. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> shot this email out of the dark. But again, this was my opportunity and this is my job and right. this is why I came. So hell yeah, I was going to be there. So I, I left my friend. I stopped by Midtown on the way up, picked up a sewing machine, some thread, suitcase full of stuff. And I went, I think the company was Ports 1961. Go up in there. It's this big fancy showroom. And, uh, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I did wear a suit because I thought that that seemed appropriate. Uh, and, and you went, did
1: you go from margaritas to change into a suit? And yeah, then- because
0: the margarita place was just downstairs from my apartment. Okay. So I ran upstairs, threw on some trousers <laughs> and a button up, went and got a sewing machine, went to Porsche's on 26th and 11th Ave. I go in there and the stylist is Patty Wilson, who's a, who's a major stylist. I didn't know her at the time. And she's like, are you the tailor? Or maybe her assistant was like, are you the tailor or someone? And they're like, can you come in here and fit this? And I come into this room and there's all these guys standing around a box with a model on it with this dress. And they start kind of talking. You're like, and,
1: I am the tailor. I'm the,
0: I am here. <laughs> what can I do for you? And, and, and they're like, I think that's the, the designer or some, someone is there like, we want to do this, 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 this. And I'm like, what? You want me to cut apart this dress and do all of this I got this. I got you. <laughs> See,
1: this is a big part of why you I'm are where you this. are now because you are like a big fake until you make it. Oh my
0: god. That <laughs> this was like the ultimate fake until you make it. Mm-hmm. And so I take this dress and I'm like, I'm gonna do this and I'm like, should I Google how to do this? <laughs> I'm like- i'm like no i got it so like i i do like the the most basic technique though from my couture class and i'm like basting the it's just pleated it's, it's a pretty nightmare of a dress like i'd still look at this <laughs> alteration and be like god damn that's that's a big alteration but i'm basting these pleats together i'm about to start cutting the dress part it worked out from i would th- say so from there i ended up working for the company for the tailoring agency like thirty days in a row because we were just going into Fashion Week or Fashion Week prep and ended up getting like working for Tommy Hilfiger, uh, Calvin Klein, like all these major people this first Fashion Week. And I learned so much about 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 clothes and inner constructions and 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 how they're made and what's wrong with them and and what what maybe one day if I started a collection like I would do so differently mm. after seeing the same mistakes that I felt like a lot of brands were commercially making. So yeah.
1: Okay, and then what was the start of Brock Collection, which is the brand that you started?
0: Yeah, so we started Brock in 2014 with my ex-wife, Laura Vassar. Mm -hmm. And we were in Paris one season with some friends and and we were kind of just like, you know, like we've been talking about it forever, like what a line would look like. Actually, we never talked about what it would look like. We always just said we wanted to do it. And so we're, we're in Paris one season and we're like, no matter what, we're coming back next fashion week with a collection. Uh, and we came back and kind of rushed it off and then started to pull together all, all like tons of resources that we didn't have because we knew nothing about it. And yeah, that was kind of the start of it. And we we, we just kind of put some money together. What and- was the
1: inspiration behind your line from the beginning? Because it's like very unique. How would you describe it? I would describe it as very romantic, su- like super, super feminine. And yeah, I mean, and- we,
0: all, we always describe it as raw American romance. That, okay. that, 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 over years, that's kind of what it's evolved into. For, from the beginning, it was very different. We, we wanted to make clothes that women could live in every single day. Basic things, denim, knits, easy dresses, and stuff like that. And when we started doing more research in fabric mills, that's, that's when we kind of really got hung up on fabric development. And it became such a special thing to us. And that's kind of what we started to build our brand aesthetically on. Okay. um was fabric development fabric research i mean I, I guess i could tell you the story about the first season we took the collection back to paris mm-hmm. so we made we, we put together this collection it was maybe 35 skews and show up in paris we miss new york fashion week because we're super late <laughs> um we're like oh we'll just do it in paris so we go to paris and we have just a party at a friend's house and kind of announce it as like a trunk show for the launch of this collection and Really, had no idea what we were doing. And at this point, I didn't even know Excel did formulas. I thought you just typed in it. And I was like, why is everyone... What's the big deal about Excel? (laughs) But uh, so we put together a line list and and opened some accounts. And we're really excited about it. When we got back, we had our first meeting with Vogue. Thanks to Cynthia Smith. And...
1: Ah, okay. So Cynthia, this is where Cynthia Smith comes in. So you knew Cynthia through her sister?
0: So, yeah. So Laura was best friends with... Sarah Smith, who is Cynthia's sister, and at the time Cynthia was working at Vogue. I don't remember her title, but as as, as some type of editor okay. um, and so she got us a meeting and as a desk side, and we come in, we bring the collection into the closet, and we're showing some of the girls and. Everyone had a really positive.
1: I mean, was that not the super surreal to you?
0: It was, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was beyond surreal, but it was one of those things that in the moment it's just happening and it's kind of like a, something that needed to happen in order for us to continue doing it. So it was very surreal, but it's, at the same time, it, 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 it was needed.
1: <laughs> yeah, but to me, I mean, that just seems really fast because this is like you, when did you graduate Parsons?
0: In l- 2011.
1: And then what year was this? 2013, 2014. 2014. I mean, that's really fast. So we started
0: like- conceptualizing the brand in 2013, and then this was February.
1: To be in front of Vogue editors at that point, I think seems really quick. Uh, yeah, May have been Yeah, I mean, we, but- we,
0: we were we were beyond grateful yeah. for the opportunity, and we came in, and I'll never forget Grace Coddington walked in the closet and looked through it, and she's like, she's like everything to me or to us, <laughs> and uh, and we're just like, holy shit.
1: I do love when she, you use those like <laughs> the, the, <laughs> that terminology.
0: Everything, and yeah, she, so from there we were like, oh, I guess we got to make another collection. So, yeah, that that was the first season. So, and then Mo- Moda picked it up and did a trunk show, and then we had a little feature in Vogue, and it was a whirlwind of a of a few months.
1: To go back to like, well, I guess probably at that point in time you didn't meet Anna Wintour that day, but. You know, my mom. One of my mom's questions was, <laughs> "What is Anna Winter like in person?"
0: So we got introduced to Anna. I'll tell you a long-winded version of it. We got introduced to Anna through the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, which we participated in in 2016. And to tell you a little bit about that program, uh, the CFDA and Vogue put organized a, a fund that they put together, and there, there's ten of the leading industry judges. Uh, And they picked 10 designers and it's almost like a contest in a way. So we did that. And throughout that, Anna is one of the judges. And so that was our first interaction with her. And she was always so sweet and so encouraging. I don't know, it like makes you think for a second of like, oh, this industry isn't what everyone kind of thinks about it. And people aren't as mean as as they portray it to be. And, And it's a really like encouraging moment. But she's super sweet. To get but back I think to that I think
1: it, it's it is a little bit of a matter of luck if that's the experience that you have because you know, for example, I had Rachel Zoe on the show mm-hmm. at the very beginning, actually the very first episode we ever recorded, and her experience was quite different, where it was more for her like finding those people who weren't mean or like she didn't feel discouraged by. So I think that it sounds like you had sort of a lucky experience, or I wonder if it's different as a man in that I think space it's, i think
0: it might be different as a designer i mean there's so many different ways you could go about that i, I could i could see in a position of a stylist it could be different and I, I mean don't get me wrong like i i feel extremely lucky for the success that we had early on with brock and very no, fortunate but i think that's a
1: good point because like you are, if you're a talented designer these people are going to want to have good relationships
0: Yes and no. I mean, that's the you said luck earlier. And I think any business and any industry is all worlds like aligning at the same time. I think it's it has to do with talent, luck, timing, right place, right time. Because there's so many talented people out there in in all industries that never see any success. And it's and it, it sucks. So I don't know. I I always, no matter what's going on in my life and back to the bright side of things, Mm -hmm. like no matter what's going on, I always just feel very thankful for the opportunity that I've been given and just try and ride with it and make the most of it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Who's your favorite person that you've dressed?
0: I mean, I love Margot Robbie. Oh, we've dressed her for a few of her premieres, which is always so cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's like full dream girl.
0: I mean, dressing celebrities is always super exciting and rewarding and fun, but as cliche as it sounds, anytime I see just normal people wearing Brock is mm-hmm. I actually like blush and walk the other direction. <laughs> like <laughs> I actually get way more excited when I see people in in the streets wearing it more.
1: But you did. D- did you or did you not? Because maybe I'm remembering this wrong. But did you at some point dress Sarah Jessica Barker?
0: Yes. I mean, <laughs> we didn't personally dress her because she wore it for like a, an editorial. and a. But
1: she wore Brock.
0: She wore Brock on the cover of a magazine. Uh, okay. And it was like everything. This is like the
1: sex in the city full Yeah, this was like that, that moment for me. I was like, <laughs> fucking serious.
0: Yes, I made it. <laughs> um, that, that, was, that was really cool.
1: Was that the biggest moment?
0: She's like sitting on an apple box in this white lace, like floor length gown. and Sounds beautiful. <laughs> um, is
1: there anybody that you still fantasize about dressing? Are you sort of over that at this point?
0: I mean, I've, I've always loved... Sharice, I can never pronounce her name though either Charlie Stern, yeah, she's like my ultimate, okay. um, from like style. I mean, th- th- there's there's tons of.
1: what do you do when you're sketching now? what Where do you draw inspiration from?
0: I mean, given this year, a lot of what we're focusing on at Brock is day to night transitional pieces that people can wear right now. We've taken this time to kind of reevaluate our morals and our goals and like why we got into the industry. And that kind of led us back to not basics, but yeah. but things you can you can wear more than occasionally. So you feel like what you guys are
1: designing has evolved based just because of what's currently going We've on in the spent,
0: world? I mean, we go through phases of sketching and for some weird reason, I guess it's not weird because it's why it works. But Laura and I kind of always, even without talking, we'll always align in a direction and aesthetic and... We'll go through phases where it gets very evening and over the top. And then some seasons will be like very pared down and it's a lot of denim and a lot of knits and flats. Uh, But right now it's kind of gone back to a lot of cotton and a lot of natural fibers, a lot of linens and more like organic.
1: Speaking of COVID, what has your experience been like since the pandemic began in terms of how you guys have had to adjust? the way that you do things as a company because obviously usually I know that you guys produce a lot of your stuff in Italy or like that's where
0: Yeah, but before uh before March we spent probably 80% of our time on on the road on planes going back and forth to Italy and New York. That's where our teams are and we fit every collection in Italy in the in the factories with with our teams there and that's been a huge change for us cuz obviously we can't travel there but on the brighter side of things, Mm -hmm. we've been able to, to kind of have everything fit here and we'll send stuff here. We'll do zoom fittings.
1: I've, I found it's kind of interesting how efficient we actually are without being in person. Yeah. Like going to the airport and being able to just scan like nothing, everything's wet. Go
0: ahead. I was going to say, I think corporate is going to have a hard time getting people back in the office.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's definitely one thing, but also just even the fact that you like you probably in the past considered it essential to have to fly to Italy in order to make these things happen. And then now you realize that you can actually yeah. do it pretty efficiently. Yeah. Here. So. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, I think on the other side of things, it's such an opportune time for startups and small businesses, mm-hmm. uh, given you being able to, to minimize your overhead in, in the way.
1: It's like more cost effective to be able to stay here. Yeah. What have you fo- found both personally and professionally? Have been the benefits to like being stuck around here during COVID.
0: Oh my god! I mean, I feel like I've been on permanent vacation. Uh, I'm also ter- so like terrified it. of flying, uh, and and before I would fly at least a few times a month. So it's been a nice break to not have to do that and constantly be on the road. I mean, it's pretty incredible to be able to wake up and and just start calls at at seven a.m. from my living room. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's just a completely different lifestyle. What has been your favorite thing about quarantine? <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit the opposite of you and that I really like to be working and on the road, but, but we're different in the sense that you, I mean, you have a son, yeah. so you, for you being home, I think there are a lot of benefits because you get like, it's easier for you to spend time with him. Yeah. Which
0: I, I, I have a five year, it will be six in two weeks. It's crazy. But that's, I think been my favorite part is that I've really been able to just spend quality time with him and, and, and not worry about when I need to leave or when I'm coming back and just been able to kind of take a step back and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a big difference between in terms of what you just asked me. I think for me, I'm still in that phase of my life where I've loved being like constantly going, going, going and working. Mm-hmm. So I'm just got back to filming The Hills, which you know, but that for me has actually been really nice because I think I go a little stir crazy being at home alone and having not a whole lot to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Lies. I mean, I think this has been a nice reset for everyone and i think so many people needed it obviously it's it's unfortunate what's going on right now and and hopefully mm-hmm. things will go back to somewhat of a normal at some point soon
1: what have you found that's like a little bit of a, as a parent a covid hack for those parents who are listening like what's something that you found that's really fun or interesting or like a way that you've kind of been able to spend time with your son doing something different during covid that's been good
0: we we live in Laguna Beach so we just walk to the beach And that's honestly probably been my favorite thing is just to take him down to the beach. We'll go tandem longboarding.
1: Yeah. Um, Spending time outside being active.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's at such an age right now that he really enjoys. I feel very fortunate and lucky in the sense that obviously he's healthy, but also that he enjoys everything that I enjoy. So getting to like share all those experiences with him have, have been amazing.
1: And also, I mean, you're really creative, but I remember at the beginning of, I don't know if it was the beginning of quarantine, but at some point during quarantine, you guys did that project, uh, the painting in the driveway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fun to come up with things like that. Like things you probably wouldn't otherwise have the time to do. Yeah. Where you get to really be creative.
0: Yeah, that was, um, we did this giant painting where we we splattered paint everywhere and then rode over it on a skateboard in the shape of a heart. Is that what you did? Yeah. So we skateboarded in the shape of a heart. And then wrote his name out of like a stick in, in the different colors of paint, like a thousand times throughout the heart.
1: Really? Yeah. I it was didn't a lot even of realize fun. that. I, I mean, I've seen the painting, but I didn't realize you guys did all of that. That's really cool. It was fun. What would you say as a parent is the most important thing that you could pass down to a child?
0: I mean, I, I think respect, morals, and goals <laughs> are three big ones for me. I find it really important to myself to set goals and 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 try and make a plan of execution to help achieve it and respect of everyone i think is huge for me as well no matter who who's talking or whatever's going on it it took me a long time to learn this in business because at the beginning of business you have this ego and everyone around you and you're the new boss and and o- over time, like I've really learned to take a step back and listen to what everyone has to say. And, and I feel like I learned so much from everyone now by, by taking the time to do that. I mean, I learned so much from him as well. I think that's a huge one is like respect of others and, and like making sure that you're taking the time to step back and appreciate what everyone else has to offer.
1: And what would you say if is there one personality trait of yours that you hope he inherits? I know he already has a lot.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm really shy. And and I, I see that in him as well, that that he's very shy, but he's also very outgoing at the same time, which I think he gets that from his mom. So I'm thankful of that. I
1: don't know. You think he's shy?
0: I think he's shy.
1: Really? Interesting.
0: I mean, maybe maybe I, I see it a little more.
1: Yeah, like you can he pick he, up on the he'll, little he'll, the little will Show it to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I like to do with a lot of my guests on the show is give them a situation that's kind of considered something negative, and try to put a positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? Sure. The first one is onion breath.
0: What a what?
1: <laughs> what's something positive that you would say about that? Like, if you have onion breath, what would, what's something that you could say would be a positive spin well, on you it? Probably
0: just ate well. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> just go. had a hamburger. I thought this was going to be a hard one. You did pretty good. Probably just had a hamburger. Uh, great. Or pasta salad with onions chopped yeah. up in it. How about mask knee? This is a big thing right now. Getting breakouts around your mouth from wearing a mask.
0: What the hell kind of question is that?
1: <laughs> What's something positive that could come from that?
0: I mean, I guess you're wearing your
1: mask. Okay. That's good. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> and. What would be going forward? You've accomplished a lot. You're still really young, 34, having accomplished all that you have. What would you say would be if you could do anything in the world? What would be your dream job?
0: First of all, thank you for saying that because I still feel like a child, which, which is great. Um, <laughs> if I could do anything.
1: Don't you think it's kind of crazy that at 34 you've done everything you've done? I think it is.
0: I mean, look at you. You're younger than me.
1: Yeah, but I've no, 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 that's not true. No,
0: I oh, don't know, man. I mean, not to sound like this, but I'm pretty happy right now. Like, I love, love just being here, kind of living. And I know that's I a terrible answer, live. but I don't know.
1: No, it's okay. Do you feel like you have made it? Like, did Absolutely you ever feel like not, that way? No,
0: no, no, very long way. What ways would it from take it. for you to feel that way? I mean, I, I also think fashion success is which again, I don't want to imply that I've had fashion success because that sounds ridiculous. But- no, you
1: have. I think sometimes people don't. I'm kind of like this to an extent. I've I've had it pointed out to me like whenever I do have any kind of success with something like it doesn't actually feel real to me in any way when you're the person that's experiencing something. Maybe you don't necessarily acknowledge that that's the case. But for, I mean, you definitely have been very successful.
0: I don't know. I, I, I love family and friends and I'm really happy when I have everyone together. And so I guess I would say that me feeling like I've succeeded at life would be able to just enjoy everyone at the same time, whether that's like at a ranch. I grew up in Texas, so I love country everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that would probably be like a huge thing for me to have like a ranch somewhere and be able to just go there with friends and family and just enjoy one another's company. I know it's a lame answer, but whatever.
1: No, it's not a lame answer. I think that's nice. I think it's nice when people's version of success is something simple.
0: I mean, I love big boats and helicopters and all that kind of stuff, too. <laughs> like, whatever.
1: I know you want to be able to hel- or fly a private jet between here and Corpus Christi. Nice. Yes. Okay.
0: All right. There you You got go. me there. I guess I'll feel <laughs> like I've made it whenever I can have a private jet take me to my hometown. <laughs>
1: more exciting or be on like a
0: stand-up jet ski like kenny powers okay if anyone knows who kenny powers is
1: yeah, i think i'm sure everyone (laughs) (laughs) knows oh that brings me to the topic that i can't believe i forgot to bring up so far which is ted lasso so there's this show on apple tv right now called ted lasso and It's about a soccer. He was a football coach in the US and then he flew over to England and was hired as a soccer coach. And this is all scripted. Um, But he's got the most upbeat, uplifting personality. And I love that one of your favorite things to say to me lately, whenever there's been anything difficult going on is what would Ted Lasso do?
0: Yeah. I mean, this shows like everything to me right now. Like... Talk about somebody that you can learn so much from. I know he's a fictional character, but...
1: I know, it blows my mind that he's a fictional character. And yet, I feel like both of us have actually taken really, like, major life lessons. There's been multiple times
0: I've been on a call that I've been so frustrated that, work-related or or whatever, and I've just thought to myself, what would Ted Lasso do in this situation? Yeah. And it really just, like, grounds you and, and, like, brings you back to a place of actually accomplishing something versus just getting nowhere.
1: Yeah, because I think one of the things that Ted Lasso, and again, he's a fictional character, so it sounds ridiculous to be talking about him like this. But what he's so good at is sort of seeing like the long term of a situation and understanding like not to take anything personally that may be offensive in the moment, but to wait it out and like kind of have this a vision for like longer term how you're going to handle things. Yeah. And I only wanted to bring this up because I feel like for listeners, it's like a good, that's a good show to go watch if you want to feel. And anyone
0: who hasn't seen it, you have to make it through the first two to three episodes because they're a little boring. But Once you get past (laughs) that, you get to the dart scene. You get to, I don't even know. He
1: does a lot of the, like, he's like the good guy that you want to see really succeed. And he actually does, which is the the best. The episode
0: where the, what's the guy from the. Who's the guy? The 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 so and so from so and so, the interviewer.
1: Oh yes, the yeah, the sports reporter. That episode's everything. Yeah, there's like this cranky sports reporter who just wants to talk shit about him, and he ends up spending the day with him. And by the end, he writes an article saying like, "You just don't want give it-, it away." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I shouldn't give it away okay but, but anyway you, you can't help but love Ted Lasso it. you gotta go see I it I should
0: I should work for them because I I'm like
1: their I spokesperson We're like unofficial <laughs> people for Ted Lasso it's just such a good show okay so that can be one of our things that we want everybody to listen to that's been a bright spot in quarantine for yeah. sure what is a song that no matter what every time you listen to because I ask every guest that comes on the show this makes you feel happy
0: I go through phases with music. I think you're similar in this way. We've talked about this before where like, I'll, uh, I'll discover a song or I'll hear it for the first time and I'll just listen to it on repeat and kind of wear it out. And so I have a lot of revolving favorite songs, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of old country music, Waylon Jennings, George Strait. Oh, shit. I don't know. Favorite song? I mean, probably Amarillo by Morning by George Strait. Really? My, my dream, my goal in life. Maybe the, I'm taking back. The plane to the, Corpus Christi. <laughs> okay. And I'm trading it in with, I will feel su- success when I have ridden a bull for eight seconds.
1: Is that something to do with Amarillo? From- yeah. So Amarillo oh, okay. by Morning is all
0: about a bull rider. and it's, it's, Ah, like, okay. Yeah. It's like a dream that'll never happen, but.
1: Like, Ride a bull for eight seconds? Yeah,
0: that's like a thing.
1: But a mechanical bull doesn't count.
0: No, absolutely not. <laughs> And I, I was actually going to say I would
1: have accomplished that dream get, for
0: you. I was going to get the chance to do it in March. In March, I was actually at the rodeo in Houston, Texas, and I was joking with my uncle about it. And I was like, "Can can you please just find a rodeo to set up there? I can ride a bull." And I, I was going to New York for a few days, and then I was going to come back through Houston on the way back to California. And that's when uh, COVID started, and I just had to come back to California and hunker down. So I didn't get my opportunity to ride a bull. House.
1: Well, maybe the universe was protecting you from that yes, because that that sounds terrifying.
0: Yeah.
1: Is there anyone in your life who is going through something challenging right now that you would want for everybody listening to send some sort of positive energy to?
0: I mean, I think there's probably tons of people in all of our lives that are going through challenging times right now, just given the current uh, circumstances. So, I mean... Now, obviously, there's been a lot of transition in in our lives over the last few years, and i have I feel like I have the most incredible support system through my friends and family throughout the whole process and and would just thank them i guess okay.
1: well, thank you for being here. This and was really fun. It me. was this nice was talking fun. so if you want to check out Brock Collection, it's at Brock Collection on Instagram yeah.
0: Thank you and
1: yeah, thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for having <laughs> me.